Yes, indeed. Indeed, happy Mother's Day. I'm waiting for the green card, which tells me that I can start talking. Thank you very much. It's, it's unusual having folks at home that were a part of pastoring and folks here in the auditorium. So I want to thank you guys in the back that do an amazing job every week. Thank you for working all that out here in the auditorium and at home. It allows us to speak with those that are with us today online. We began a series a few weeks ago in the book of Acts, and we're up to Acts chapter 5, and I'm not going to speak this morning from Acts chapter 5, but we'll get there. Starting next week, we'll be back in it. But what I felt the Lord tell me to do today was instead of just going through the book of Acts, was to stop here on Mother's Day and talk to you from a book that was written during the same time period. It's the book of Romans, the most profound book that Paul the Apostle ever wrote that has to do with issues like salvation and sanctification and glorification. I mean, just it's this profound theological book. But it ends in chapter 16 in a not-so-profound way. It ends in chapter 16 in a very personal way. Paul the Apostle takes time from this amazing letter he wrote to the church in Rome to mention people's names, individual names. And he goes out of his way to say, greet this person, greet that person. And he calls them by name and he honors each one and he talks about their role in the church. An entire chapter, greeting individuals, honoring them, mentioning what they do. And that really gives us insight into what the early church was like. Yes, it was a powerful place. Yes, it was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, there were signs and wonders and miracles, but there was so much more heartfelt individual relationships. So much so, an entire chapter taken from a letter just to say, hey, you're special to me and you matter to me. And don't forget this person, they matter so much as well. Now, I'm going to look with you this morning at these names that are mentioned here in Romans chapter 16, and you don't know them. They've been dead now for 2,000 years. And just to read through their names, you can miss something as we read through the eyes of people who live in America now. You can miss something so profound here that, that I want to highlight it. What you're going to see among these list of names are the names of women. Women. Now we say, well, so what? Of course, he's writing to the church. Of course, he's mentioning women. A lot of women are in the church. Actually, there are more women in the church than men. Of course, he would mention them and what they were doing. Mm, not back then. If you go back in time and in history, 2,000 years, when the church first began, women, not like it is today. They had very few legal rights. They were treated in such a way, actually not much better than children. Uh, one rabbi wrote a prayer that he prayed every week. He'd say, God, I thank you that I was not born a woman. And his prayer kind of echoed what society thought about women 2,000 years ago. What, how, what's changed? How have things changed? 
Why have things changed? Because of the church. Because of people like Paul the Apostle who made this profound revolutionary statement who said, in Christ there is neither male nor female. What? You can't say that 2,000 years ago. Nobody said something like that. That was revolutionary because 2,000 years ago was all about men. But Jesus treated women differently than society had. And then the church that followed started doing the same. And as we read through this, you'll see that these women played such a key role that there was no way that Paul could make mention of the church without going out of his way to talk about the women who were leading in the church. So look at your notes. We're in Romans chapter 16. Paul says this, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. This woman, Phoebe, was a deacon in the church, a deaconess in the church. The early church was divided into two groups of leaders. There were elders, primarily focused on spiritual kind of matters, and there were deacons who were incredibly important, whose primary focus was to make sure that the day-to-day stuff in the church, the taking care of benevolence, the taking care of widows, the, the needs of the church were being met. And this woman, Phoebe, was a deaconess. She was in that leadership position. She's probably the one who brought this letter from Paul the Apostle to the church. She was that faithful, that trusted. Phoebe, take this letter to the church in Rome. But she's not the only one mentioned. Verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Jesus Christ, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Again, there's something here that we miss. Her name is mentioned before her husband. You didn't do that 2,000 years ago. That was not the way things were done. But Paul was turning the world upside down. says, no, greet her first and her husband. Puts her name in a different place. He says she is a fellow worker, one who is willing to risk her life so that the gospel could go forward. We're told in another place in the New Testament that she and her husband actually got a hold of a man named Apollos, who was a powerful preacher but really didn't have a strong theological background, that these two, this married couple, brought him aside and poured into him so that he could make a difference in the church. Verse 5, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Apennitus, who was the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Now, all kinds of folks were named Mary back then, so we don't know who this Mary was, but we do know what she did. She worked hard for the church. I tell you what, I look around in the church, any pastor looks around in his church, and you know what he sees? Women who work hard for the church. Uh, We have so many here, and there's so many in every congregation whose names need to be mentioned and called out. Verse 7, greet Andronicus and Junia, 
my countrymen and fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles and also were in Christ Jesus before me. Probably a married couple. Junia is the woman's name. And he mentions that they are of note among the apostles. That could be that the apostles say, hey, these guys are amazing. Or it could be that these two were apostles themselves. Now, not the 12 apostles, but that they had the, the gift of being an apostle, a missionary, a church planter. Paul says, these, this couple is amazing. Verse 12, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Those are women, and they're probably sisters who labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, another woman, who labored much in the Lord. You see a theme here? Women are hard workers wherever they go. They're the backbone of the church. Greet them, he says, and let them know how special they are. Greet Philogus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. You've just seen references to 10 women out of the 27 people who were named. And with every one of them, they were greeted with the same adoration, the same respect and honor as any of the men. And again, we read this today and we say, oh, that's no big deal. It was huge back then. All of a sudden, women who've been treated like they were just little children or, or, or like slaves in many cases are brought into an equal position in the church where they are able to serve alongside men and they, they hear this, this Paul the Apostle giving praise to them and thanking them for all they were doing. It was impossible for Paul to describe the church without describing the women in the church. And you might have noticed as I read through their names, I skipped one, and I did it on purpose. Because in verse 13 is a name of somebody, actually, we don't even have her name, we just have a reference to her, that I want to focus in on today. Here's what Paul the Apostle said, verse 13, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. We're going to focus here. Now, you read this and you could think, well, is he talking about two different women? Is he saying, greet this guy Rufus and his mother, and then greet my mom too, who just happens to live there in Rome? But for a number of reasons that I don't want to develop today, most church scholars, most Bible scholars don't believe he was talking about two women. They believe he's talking about one woman the mother of Rufus, who was the biological mother of Rufus. But to Paul, she was his mother too. She had done something over the years, developed such a relationship with Paul over the years that to him, she was his mother, his, his spiritual mother, his mentoring mother. She had filled that gap, that relationship in his life that maybe his mother couldn't do anymore. And he says, greet the mother of Rufus because she's my mom too. We don't even know her name, but let's think about her for a while. She's the mother of Rufus. I love that name, Rufus. There's only one other time in the Bible where we read the name Rufus. And let me tell you about it. When Jesus is on the way to the cross, 
And he has been so beaten and so uh, he's lost so much blood that he can't carry the cross anymore. You remember the story. The, the Romans there found a man named Simon of Cyrene, and they compelled him, it says. They made him, you carry his cross. And in the Gospel of Mark, it tells us who this Simon of Cyrene was. It says he was the father of Rufus. Now, again, there are a lot of reasons why, but many Bible scholars believe that this is the Rufus talked about in Romans 16, that this Rufus, his mother, he was the son of the man who carried the cross for Christ. So his mother would have been married to Simon of Cyrene, but he's not mentioned here. Probably he's dead. She's probably a widow. But she was so impacted by what happened that day that she became a follower of Christ along with her son, Rufus. Now, she lives in Rome now, but Paul has never been to Rome. He's writing a letter to the Christians there, but he's never been there. But yet this woman that he says is his mother, his spiritual mother, lives there. So that must mean that she lived someplace else before. We don't know where. Maybe in one of the cities that Paul spent a long time in. Maybe in Corinth. Maybe in Ephesus. But she must have lived someplace that he was visiting a great deal. Because if she's like a mother to him, they've had to have a lot of time together to develop this relationship. So can I speculate since we don't know anything concrete about her? I speculate that she lived in one of the cities where he would visit often. And I don't know how they developed this relationship, but maybe, maybe she had a special room in her house. And she told Paul, whenever you come by, you come and stay here. You come and stay here with me. And uh, you've always got a place. Maybe she cooked him a special meal. I don't know. You know, Paul didn't eat that well. Do you remember his story? He said, you know, he's been in hunger often and, and all these challenges. Maybe this woman, this mother, would prepare food for him whenever he would come so he'd have a warm meal and a place to stay. Paul was beaten so often. Maybe his physically he was struggling. Maybe she was the kind of lady that was really good. You know, moms are good at fixing owies. And maybe she was the kind of mom that knew how to take care of the wounds and, and apply things to them. Maybe she was just the kind of mom who would listen when he would sit there and just unburden his heart. And moms are very good at this too. Just unburden his heart about how the Christians in, in a certain town, uh, he had difficulty with them or how the Jews in a certain town responded to him and, and all that had happened. Maybe she was there just to listen. Maybe she was just there to care. Maybe she was just there to love. Whatever the case, it was such a relationship that these two had. What she, uh, Paul wasn't her natural son, but he was her son. And you know, moms, you can be a mother to people that you're not biologically connected with at all. A whole lot of men and women need a mom. <laughs> they, they, they might have one mom already, but they need another mom in their life, several moms in their life. Whatever she did to him, 
It was powerful. Listen to what Paul did. He wrote 13 books in the Bible. He planted at least 14 churches. I wonder how many of those would have happened without her. I wonder if he would have gotten so discouraged without Rufus's mom that he wouldn't have gone to that next city and done that next thing. I wonder if like so many pastors today in America, he would have just quit. You know, there's a uh, epidemic now of pastors who are leaving the ministry. It's difficult. It's hard. This thing with COVID has impacted people. And the stats I read are, uh, are, are really hard to read, a number of pastors that are just quitting. But I wonder if he didn't quit because his mom, his spiritual mom, wouldn't let him. <laughs> Paul, come on now. You know you're called. You know this is God's call in your life. You don't listen to what those people are saying about you, Paul. You don't listen to them. You listen to mom. Come here, honey. I don't know how much of what he did was made possible because of what she did, but I think it must have been a bunch. So I want to say thank you to the mother Rufus in heaven right now. Would you mind if I did that? Uh, Rufus's mom and Paul's mom, Paul's spiritual mom, thank you. Thank you that you were a mother to this man who was able to do remarkable things. And while I'm doing this, let me thank some other mothers in heaven. Can I do that? Susanna Wesley, I want to say thank you. Your 19 children, Susanna Wesley had 19 children, were amazing. Thank you for your 15th son, John Wesley who went on to found the Methodist Church. Thank you for being a great mom to him. And thank you for your 18th son, Charles Wesley, who wrote 6,500 hymns. Thank you, Susanna Wesley. You made an impact in the church through the children that you mothered. Nancy Hanks Lincoln, I want to thank you. Uh, you died when Abraham was only nine but he said during the civil war that the reason he was able to keep doing what he was doing was the influence you had on him when he was a little boy thank you nancy oh i got i got one more uh thank you helen beasley thank you mom thank you that you were raised in the depression that uh, even though your father abandoned the family and your mother had to remarry again just to eat and stay alive. And thank you that there were only six pair of shoes for, for nine kids, but you took your turn in wearing them. Thank you for being faithful to my dad. Thank you for being faithful to your three boys. And thank you for taking us to church the whole time we were kids. Thanks, Mom. See you soon. And I want to thank the moms who aren't in heaven yet. Thank you, moms that are here today. I have one of my moms watching from Barstow, California. Her name is Alan D. Reed. Alan D., you're probably watching right now, uh, or you're going to watch a little bit later. Alan D. and her husband, Roy, are a part of our church family, though you've never met them. They watch every Sunday. Alan D. was raised in Nebraska. She had four children, Brian, Joy, Belinda, and Valerie. And at a certain point in the late 1960s, early 1970s, she and her husband Roy uh, moved from Nebraska to 
Barstow, California. God bless them. Where I was living with my father. And I was part of a little Methodist church then. There weren't a lot of people in it. And we had a choir, but there weren't many people in the choir. But you could count on Sundays, there would be four people in the choir that had their choir robes on. There'd always be four. It would be Alan D. and her three daughters would be singing up in the choir. I got to know Alan D. I became best friends with her son, Brian. And there was one week in my life when I went through a huge trauma that I ran away from home, and I lived with the Reed family. They took me in. And then after that, every chance I got, I would want to go to Brian's house so I could hang around Mr. and Mrs. Reed. Because what was happening in my house was, was pretty sketchy. Uh, my father was struggling with alcoholism. I just, I, I wanted to go to the Reed home where there was a Christian family that lived differently and the impact they have. And so Mrs. Reed, Alan D., she kind of became my mom. And now as my mother has passed away into heaven, Alan D. is more and more my mom. I just talked to her a couple of weeks ago and I asked her if I could call her mom. And uh, she said I could. So, Alan D., I know that you're the mom of Brian and Joy and Belinda and Valerie, and uh, I also thank you that you're my mom too, and uh, God bless you, and we love you and appreciate you very, very much. And thank you all the moms here right now. We're going to watch a little video. To, thanks, moms. And uh, then I'm going to come back and we're going to pray and give some gifts to the moms that are here. So let's watch that video. <laughs> 